another guest. Um, but as always, we have some usual faces and we have some old hands who have come back and joined us. So um, we've got Mark Candy. Evening. We've got Peter Ray Allison. Good evening. We've got Christina Bogdan. Did I get it right, Christina? Is that right? But it's okay. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Never get her second name right. We were practicing before we started. You I know, but I thought, right. I thought I got it right. Uh, and Annie's back. Annie, Annie's back. Sean Wallace. Evening all. Yeah. And our special guest tonight is Ben Aranovich. Oh, I'm a special guest. You are a special Excellent. guest, yes. <laughs> I always like to be a special guest. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, um, for... For those who don't know, uh, who are who are you, and what do you do? I am no, but no. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, now, now I've got. I am your worst nightmare stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've said it. I got it out of the way. I am your worst nightmare. No, um, I I'm a writer. I write things and I write books. So I'm most, well. I'd love to say I was most famous for my Rivers of London series, but everyone seems to know me for the bloody Doctor Who stories. So. <laughs> It's not. It's not that I mind being known for the Doctor Who stories, but like when everyone knows you for something you wrote thirty years ago, it's a little bit demoralising. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I loved your remembrance. What about anything else I've written since? Nah, I hate it. <laughs> so what was it? I, I think you peaked with your first TV series. <laughs> well, so what was it like to peak in nineteen ninety then? <laughs> it wasn't nineteen ninety. I wish it was nineteen ninety. It was bloody nineteen eighty seven. Holy shit. So was that, uh, would that be um, uh, Sylvester McCoy, Doctor? Yeah, that was Remembrance of the Daleks. Oh, I love you. No, it's really funny because publicists always try and skip over the large period of my life in which I was completely unsuccessful. So they go, you had immediate success with Doctor Who. And then you moved on to books as if like the intervening 25 years of penury and pain never happened. And I'm like, ah. (laughs) I, I keep going. I, am I cruel? Am I just like I don't want people to think that I just like sailed through and ha. Huh, on the other hand, I don't want to admit that I was a loser for like twenty years. So, uh, <laughs> terrible kind of like dilemma that I face. Okay. So yeah, I was talking about myself. I'm amazed I got sidetracked actually. Um, yeah, my name is Ben Aronovich. I write the Rivers of London series. I did write a Doctor Who episode before it was fashionable, and um, and that's it. That's basically my life. I have no other life really. I, I live in London. I'm raging, yeah. raging against the machine, against the Microsoft machine. That's well, what we heard you know, quite eloquently. It's, it's, <laughs> it's only Microsoft because I've got a Microsoft machine. If, if I had an Apple, I'd probably be raging against Steve Jobs, and he's dead. <laughs> Easy time. So it's like, run away. No, yeah, it doesn't run away. Bloody hell. <laughs> like, well, Apple has its own problems. Like, give me a right mouse button, you bastards, and I'll switch. That is the most <laughs> annoying thing about Apple. I have to say, not having having a single click just doesn't do it. I just don't understand. I can't deal. I can't no, deal with right. Well, I've got a mouse with like three buttons on it. I mean, and a wheel. I, I why Apple? <laughs> it's just stubbornness. It's like they make it a brand thing now. They, they, <laughs> all they have to do to get my undying allegiance, and I will buy a MacBook the next day if. They freaking put a bloody second on the mouse. <laughs> and don't say you can get something that you can add to your computer. I don't want to add something to my computer to get functionality. I want my computer to work when I turn it on. This is the bane of my life. You talk about Rage of the Machine. Bane of my life is the fact that you have to keep adding things for your computer to do the thing that you expect it to do out of the box. I, I completely Have you agree. noticed that? Everything <laughs> is like that now. 
Everything <laughs> is like that. You download a game and it goes, oh, I'm sorry, we're just going to spend five hours downloading the updates. Why didn't it work <laughs> off the disc? <laughs> well, that, <laughs> that would that leads us neatly onto a bit of cyberpunk, if anyone's seen what's been happening with that. Oh man, that's mad. That's just like it, it uh, I think it's it's pro- it's um offered something that it's probably not been able to at this moment in time deliver on. Yeah, um, but not even it's... that. Like, it doesn't work on PS4s or Xbox Ones. Like, you get 15 frames per second. It's it's just not working. It's it's not even oh. a functional game on, on disc, as Ben was just saying. Was um, that not the reason doesn't... they they put it back to December the tenth? Sorry, well, I'm playing uh, well, on PC, so I have no issues. <laughs> the rumor is that the reason they had to put it back to December tenth is it failed certification, full stop, on the consoles. And the and certification is basically, does it make the console melt or not? As long as it doesn't break the console, you get certified. But they couldn't even manage that. Yeah, I've I seen some really dodgy. That. I've seen seeing some really dodgy graphics from it. Like I, I can see. Like I've got a few friends. I'm in a like a WhatsApp group, and they're all they're all sort of PC master race guys. And so whenever I sort of kind of started having a dig about it, you know, and I, you know, I was just. I was just fishing to sort of, you know, troll them and stuff. And they were just going off. No, that's great and stuff. And it was just like, yeah, but you've got really high-end PCs. And, you know, it's it's going to... Even then, it's still glitchy, apparently. It's just sort of, you know, your graphics work. But, you know, for other people, <laughs> you, you're, you know, are struggling on uh, yeah. on consoles. I mean, mine's got like a, an absolute monster PC. But the only real glitch I've run into was one of the characters was supposed to be pulling a chip out of the socket in the back of the head. Except it accidentally used a gun. Yes, yes, it was the gun. That's one of the famous ones. Yeah. Lots of people are getting that. So instead of a microchip from the side of someone's head, it's just a freaking revolver. That's so Cronenberg. So, so you see him and it's like that. And he pulls it out that way. And then sticks it in your head. It's, it's a like, videodrome. Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. I was just thinking. I was just thinking. I was trying to remember the name of the film. Oh, I hated that film. I mean, not because it was a terrible film, but because I had nightmares for like the next oh, sixteen yeah. years over that film. <laughs> Thank you, James Wood, for ruining my childhood. I was trying to think. He's ruining lots of people's childhood since since he started getting <laughs> politics, hasn't he? Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know. My favourite of the bugs I saw, though, was fantastic. It was a police officer and a mailbox intertwined and spinning like something Pinhead would show you. <laughs> just, just round and round and round. That's all it was doing for, like, 15 seconds. Oh. Yeah, I, 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 I think, think John, just... John Joe was telling me that there was and he was playing it and there was just some guy walking around with his cock out <laughs> just sort of <laughs> through his pants. Just okay. sort of, the mouse was not in the house. It was like just sort of... There. Are they sure that was a bug? Yeah, well, you know, it's possible. After all, you can um, buy upgrades, can't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I stopped doing that with Sims. That's a purient thing to do. And, and naked Sims was it's as far Sims. as I'm willing to go in that direction. And yeah. I stopped with Sims One, by the way. It got too realistic in Sims well, Two. Yeah, I, uh, I think I'll buy it when it's sort of kind of maybe fixed. Um, it's like yeah. Baldur's Gate. I wanted to get Baldur's Gate, but it's in. It's sort of in its sort of early access, and I don't want that. But that—that's just such a sensible thing to do. It's like I, I always do that. I always wait for everything to be like you know three months of, bad, especially with technology. You just have to wait three months for it to, to, to iron out all the bugs, and then get all the bug reports, and then buy it. You know, and then, then, then buy version one point zero. Never buy version one point zero. Yeah, 
you know, but and that suits me because I'm I'm tight. So you know, also usually drops like the hardware usually drops by a hundred quid before you have to buy it if you do that. But you it, sit there going, oh, I should get it, but it's cheaper. <laughs> but it's like what you were oh. saying, what, what you were saying about sort of you know the disc. It's like you know the, this generation will never know the glory of buying a game and just sticking it in to your console mm-hmm. and playing it. And mm-hmm. you know, it's literally like you said, every game you play. You put it in, and there's always an update. There's always an update, and it's it's going to be you know two gigabytes, three gigabytes, twenty five gigabytes. You know, the Cyberpunk twenty seven twenty seven seven day one patch is forty three and a half gigabytes in size. The day two patch is eighteen gigabytes in size. Those are the size of AAA games in themselves. Yes, as well for 48 gigabytes. 48 gigabytes. Gigabytes. Gigawatts. And you know what's incredible is that even in all that, they didn't include driving AI and they didn't have sensible AI for the police. So if you, the, the cars, if you park in front of them, they'll just stay there forever. There's no AI in the car whatsoever. You can just take someone's car, steal it, and the driver would be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose that's about what I expected to happen. It's, you um, know, it's... If you commit a crime, the police just appear behind you. Three of them just, no matter where you are, they just appear behind you. I think it's it's like an anthem sort of thing, isn't it? It's like the concept was really good. The idea was really good. It just wasn't fully sort of realized, which is annoying because like I, I actually quite enjoyed anthem. It just wasn't, it was unfinished. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing here. It's they've, they've had some really big ideas with, you know, the concept's good, but they just haven't been able to fully um, realize yeah. I, it. Yeah, I think what it is, I've spoken to a few journalists and um, the guardian did not get an advanced copy because they refused to sign the NDA. And another journalist has said, they've finished Act 1, the intro, the intro scene, and they're just going to put it down for a, for a few weeks and just let it get patched to the point it is actually playable. What I don't understand, though, is because, like, IGN and a lot of the other sort of big, sort of comp, uh, big uh, review sites and stuff are giving it pretty good reviews, so yeah. it can't be unplayable. It's just... Uh, well, it's what they tend to have, though, is they tend to have really high-end PCs, though, don't they, yeah. Matt? So yeah. the reviewers aren't there playing on a seven-year-old PS4, which has soldiered on since 2013, <laughs> which can play Red Dead Redemption 2 perfectly. Yes, I, I can testify to that. <laughs> yeah, which is getting 15 FPS for Cyberpunk. So that's part of it. And also, the there was one reviewer for GameSpot, I think it was, who came out and said, actually, this is a buggy mess. People are going to have problems with it. And she got death threats and she had to kind of come off Twitter for a while and things like that because before it came out, people were upset that, that she was criticising the second coming of Digital Jesus. Yeah, well, that was it, isn't it? But it's, yeah, I saw a review and it was just like, you know, if you want an open world first-person shooter um, in, and you can get it to run uh, probably, then it's 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 great. Um, but the R- some of the RPG elements in it aren't the best. Um, and it's not one for the Bioware fans. It has like three, four options for uh, relationships. Yeah, and yeah. they're all pretty narrowly defined um, as to who as to work as to which ones will work for you depending on what you what you set your character up as. Well, <laughs> it, it's funny, isn't it? Because like obviously you bring up Bioware on that one, but the first Mass Effect game is pretty horrendous, sort of like gameplay wise. I mean, yeah. certainly I you kept on having to put it down to easy. 
because you couldn't get your gun to fire in the right direction. <laughs> and and uh, and and well, I, I couldn't. I'm crap at shooters anyway. So yeah. you know, so it's like I play. I always play Red Dead Redemption on with auto aim. That's how I play Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't see why I have to aim at things. I have a character for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, it's a character piece, you know. Um, but. Uh, you know, but the, it was compelling. The story was compelling, and the, the sort of like the world was compelling, yeah. even if the the macro was terrible. And and that's that's kind of like, and you can get away with a lot if the story. It's, it's like writing. I mean, to bring it back to writing, mm. we should I really do that. Um, <laughs> it's it's just something like you know, it's, you, it's, you can get away with tons. It's like if you ever wonder why, like Jeffrey Archer or Dan Brown, sell millions <laughs> of books despite the, having the prose style of a teenage i don't know actually it's probably called the teenagers um <laughs> having the pro style of someone who can't write then the reason is because um they they they, they tell a good story and in commercial fiction uh which is fiction um uh, that's not literary fiction literary fiction is sold on the same principle that jim's sell memberships on the basis that nobody <laughs> nobody they sell you couldn't if everyone turned up to the gym the gyms couldn't cope with the number of yeah. memberships they sell so they actually sell their memberships on the basis <laughs> that people aren't going to turn up and literary fiction basically sells on the basis that large numbers of people will buy the book and never read it <laughs> and and that's like so they will see it wins the booker prize and they will rush out and they will, i mean come on they all watched the TV series version of Wolf Hall and then pretended they read the book. That's basically what happened. Amazing. And <laughs> that's why when they make the TV, the film, everyone's but it was a really popular book. No one read it. No one wanted to go see the film version. Um, where was I? Commercial fiction. Yeah, yeah, story will beat style. That's true. In, in literary fiction, style is more important than story. And in, in commercial fiction for success. Uh, story will beat style. That's why David Eddings, um, you know, sold oh, so well. Yes, though well, David Eddings yeah. was fantastic. Oh god, yeah. You know, even when he did the same story again, you were yeah, still kind was... of like compulsively reading the same story, and going, "This is the same story again." <laughs> but I will fight it three care. more times. <laughs> well, no one complained that Agatha Christie wrote only murders, did they? So. No, no, but Agatha Christie was a more of a stylistic a maverick than people give her credit for. Yeah. She, she, she was going like, "Aha, you think the detective, the detective is the murderer? You are the murderer. Or nobody's the murderer." Or, you know, she would mess it up. She would mess with your head as soon as look at you. She was a creepy lady and a trusting archaeologist. That's what I say. Archaeologists well, to be trusted. To, to write for video games or anything, Ben. Uh, no, uh, the reason why I wouldn't write for a video game is because A, they wouldn't ask me, and B, <laughs> that was probably the main reason, um, B, uh, you will not find a more given-infested industry than, than video games. And, and the thing is, the more money there is in an industry, the more gibbons are infested. That's why you, so if you work in film, you know, all those stories you hear about film writers and everything, it's like that, only you've got a lot more kind of people with personality disorders in video games where running video game companies because they, <laughs> they don't have to be sociable either. So they're just horrible and unsociable. And, and also, um, your status is very low. You come after the guy that codes the, the, codes yeah. the, the, the wolf textures, basically. And what so, therefore, <laughs> they, they think about like... him first. Yeah. <laughs> 
What about if you did so- if you were offered something like George R. R. Martin has done with Hidetaki Miyazaki, where he uh, for the Elden Ring game, where he's sort of written the background of the world and then been said, right, that's great, thank you. This is sort of a, a bible for writing it, but nothing else from here. I, 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 that would tickle my role playing game kind of <laughs> nerve. But I see, I have a role playing game to tickle that role playing game nerve uh-huh. with, and I don't have to deal with Gibbons. So it's great. <laughs> Because like they're very nice at Chaosium, so they you know they're not very given at all. Because there's no money in role playing games, so there's like the number of givens is very don't get they cluster they cluster where there's yeah. money. What's, so what's, the less money involved, the fewer givens you get. What's your RPG of choice then? My my RPG of choice uh, is is Traveller or Call of Cthulhu. Ooh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Uh, Those are my two, and and and. Uh, I once did a BRP house system for for Traveller because I I like I like percentages because i understand how they work like 20 percent, 90 percent. i understand what that means <laughs> i don't know what 15 plus is in the, as a risk but so... my, myself and uh and sean did a call of cthulhu get, uh, game with ben fee uh and and sam uh many many a few yeah that'll be a few years back now it would yeah yeah uh, and it's to be honest i i'm very much a sort of generic fantasy warrior type or sci-fi warrior type sort of hack and slash gun. so call of cthulhu for me was a big big change i really <laughs> I, I, I i really enjoyed it it was just like yeah. uh you know i was playing like an old retired you know military man and yeah. it was just cool because you don't you know you, you don't want high numbers you don't want to you don't want to understand anything as soon as you start understanding stuff you start going crazy and my guy went mad at the end which was awesome <laughs> that was great i remember my, my first, you ever go. <laughs> first ever table for barbecue was call of cthulhu and i remember embarrassing myself in front of everyone by starting to loop the corpses Oops. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> I was 18, and I'd only ever played video games to that point. It's like, I've just killed a bunch of people. It yeah, you see, valuable. I, I find that really unimmersive when I'm playing something like, um, uh, I'm playing, oh, what was the last, the last incident of that? You know, the one with the, the hand and the thing in the sky. What the fuck was it called? Uh, Swords and Dragon Age. Ah, uh, yes, Dragon yes. Inquisition, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't played any of the other Dragon Age games, so I started with Dragon Age Inquisition. I enjoyed it immensely, but I really find it breaks the immersion when you're going like, I shall I walk into someone's house. Oh, look, there's a chest. I shall loot it. Even if it's like <laughs> guy's house in the middle of a compound of which I am the leader. Taking... This is mine, and this is mine, yeah, this and is, this, is mine, is mine. this is mine. This is mine. <laughs> and you sit there going, I'm sorry. I just like, no one comes in and goes, Oi! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just, just imagine so your introduction like... to game in anyway, Ben. What was my, <laughs> my you see this is gonna date me. Right. My introduction to gaming was Jesus, I'm trying to think. It was something on the spectrum. Wow. Ooh, Must have yeah. been something on the spectrum. Uh... I can't remember that far back. It was something <laughs> on the spectrum and it was very primitive. Um the my introduction to love of gaming, I think, was probably um elite. Oh, yeah, the, which uh, what, did you have an Amiga or did you have an Atari yeah. ST? No, I had a friend who had a BBC. Ah, right. Ah, wow. the proper elite. Uh, yeah, the proper elite. And then I think after that, Midwinter. Does anyone remember Midwinter? I remember Midwinter Two. I didn't have Midwinter. Midwinter, Midwinter Two. Those, those are the kind of games I like. I now like. I now play a lot of um, 
you know, civilization and oh, transport yeah. tycoon and things like that, because I don't, I have no fast twitch muscle reflexes whatsoever. Yeah. So, you know, I like, you know, I, I play, I play Uncharted on easy as well. It's like story mode. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you tried to just cause games? Because they're probably the closest modern equivalent to the old midwinter games in some ways. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I tried that, but it, it was it's too frenetic. I, I had to go and have a lie down after playing it for a couple of minutes. It's like some of no, no, I want to. Even in Uncharted, you have a couple of moments where they just sit around and talk and have coffee. I need that. I need that kind of moment. Just go. Oh, look at the landscape. It's beautiful. Not yeah. before so someone shoots you. You've never you. experienced the joy of of chaining two jumbo jets together in midair and watching them pirouette. <laughs> you see that? That breaks my immersion. I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, I think as you, as you get older, you're sort of kind of your your hand-eye coordination when it comes to sort of fast shooting and stuff goes down very drastically. I, I The one day that I realized that I was getting old was we used to have this Halo um, championship every every year and we'd have like uh, 16 people. We'd get four TVs, four Xboxes. We'd stick them together. And, you know, I, I'd win one year. My brother would win another year. Um, the, you know, we'd... We, we we were we thought we were pretty good. Then we invited my my housemate's uh, cousin and her his friends who were like sixteen or something at the time. Oh no! Uh, no. Uh, they were like sixteen, and they came in and they absolutely wiped the floor with us. Absolutely, like I've never <laughs> been so humiliated in my entire life in my own house on my own game. <laughs> it's just like they came in and obliterated us. Not even like by. It wasn't even like we, we came close. It was by huge margins. And we just kind of went, you're not allowed to come back again. I'm crap at puzzles as well. So I'd get Creeper in and that's my son and go, do the puzzle for me. I'm just going to go make a cup of coffee. Because <laughs> I don't play games to be taxed. What can I say? I don't yeah. play games to be intellectually taxed. I can, you know, the Inland Revenue can do that. Like, the Inland Revenue can intellectually tax me. There's plenty of other things in my life which, like, painfully involve me burning brain cells, right? I don't want my computer game. I like World of War. I like World of Warships, except it gets on trying to, um, every time I logged in, Russian hackers tried to steal my computer, so I gave up with World of Warships. I, I mean, it, was just, it was too much of a coincidence. Like, suddenly I was hacked. Oh, I played... What is the joint? It's because you loaded World of Warships. But someone pointed out that World of Warships is a first-person shoot 'em up uh, for people with slow reflexes because the battleship <laughs> takes 60 seconds to swing its guns around. So you, that there is no kind of instant shooting. You kind of very deliberately move your guns around and line up a shot, fire, and you have to wait 30 seconds for the freaking guns to reload. And it's like proper, <laughs> proper rats out more to the kind of level of my abilities as so speed. It's like, Haha, I'm an old fogey, beat me at this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm more of a, a, strat- a strategy game, sort of real-time strategy, and like uh, like the Total War games and stuff where you can sort of have a bit of a think and a ponder, kind of like chess-based games, effectively, where you've got time to sort of make decisions instead of, you know, quick quick decisions, which I'm shit at and can't, can't deal with. I, I, I like playing Civ Six, but I keep, keep trying to manoeuvre myself into a position where, as England, I can nuke Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we just thought a lot of uh, Scotland, Scottish fans, uh, haven't we? <laughs> no, it's just because I just feel like I want to nuke Scotland, but it's so hard. It's so hard. You have to kind of work. So then you have to, they keep making friends with my, I keep, because I'm, I'm a nice guy. So everyone keeps making friends with me and I don't have an excuse to nuke them. <laughs> it's like, uh... <laughs> I always have that problem. It's like me and my brother, uh, we play like board games and like online strategy games and we always spend, like we play uh, a multiplayer of Total War, Rome, Rome 2 Total War, and it took us a month to get through, and we had this sort of, like, alliance thing going on, and then he bloody stabbed me in the back, little shit, and I was just, like, and I was completely dumbfounded by this, that my brother would do such a thing, and I was you so You just annoyed. can't trust your bloody you relatives. Can't, you can't, can't trust them. Yeah, yeah, can't trust them. Their life. <laughs> you only have to ask the you know, kings and queens of the last 400 years, really, that you don't need to... But he's Never so, trust your relatives. He's so good at it, though, man. It's just like we we play like if you're. Have you seen the game Among Us at all? That sort of new fad that's going around. You you got it. Yes, I yes I saw that. Yeah, I thought I'm not playing that. Yeah, it's it's very easy. It's like the Resistance, uh, the card game. If you've ever played it, um, and it's um. It, there was one point in it where he basically was the imposter and he got called out on it and he swore blind to me that he wasn't the imposter and he got to that point where he got angry about it I was like oh shit you're getting angry he must be true and I believed him and it turned out he was and I was like you fucking shit I will never believe you ever again oh, wait, have you ever played have you ever played Battlestar Galactica oh man yes yes, yes. I hate that game <laughs> freaking... I knew he was a Cylon to this day I'm, I'm salty about the fact that my friend was a Cylon and you hold and a grudge. I, knew it was a silent. I hold a grudge. Yeah. I absolutely hold a fucking grudge. Make me a fracking grudge. We do though, I mean a freaking yeah, oh, far fuck. You do that. Don't do that whole thrilling grudge. I hold a thrilling <laughs> grudge. <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna nice take that again. I loved Farscape. I yeah. loved Farscape. So made no sense whatsoever, but I loved it. It's, it's, it was if like it, a mic- if this, well the this it does make sense. If you watch it very carefully and squint, <laughs> that and... was in gravity boots. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> no, the, the the trick to Farscape is just to assume that you've gone as mad as Crichton has, and then you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, actually. Yeah, it is completely. It just delights in its um, lunacy. It's so clear that he's gone completely mad by the end of the by the end of like the third series that he's yeah. just completely gone. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, okay, the only way to enjoy this is really just goes mad as Crichton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, I just love the fact that the aliens are genuinely alien. I mean, there's not just um, a guy with uh, with some putty on his forehead. It is you know appendages, puppetry. And prosthetics, like you know, that's just basically been used in the movie industry today. Yeah, it was just insane. It was, I just loved it. It was just insane. And it was so colorful. So it was yeah. insane and colorful and mad and just went in directions. But I felt at some point, I was like, just give them a break. Five <laughs> minutes without data, let them get some food, have a dinner, you know, sit down. Yeah, I mean, without without horrible things happening to them after a while, you I feel that it's suffered a little bit from that kind of escalating misfortune syndrome that you can get in long running TV series, where like bad things happen, then more bad things happen, then just escalating bad things happen until nothing but bad things happen. And I think sometimes I think you know we, there should be the occasional episode where they just sit down and things go their way, have a cup of you tea, know, yeah. have a cup of tea, or at least win. Yeah, that was the thing with them; they never won. 
Until, of course, he tries to blow up the entire universe, and then they win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The lesson of that story is, you know, <laughs> but, well, you know. Well, <laughs> there's, um, sorry, uh, as you're talking about aliens, um, and I, I promise we'll move on to your, we'll move on to your, uh, to your books. And you're, I'm and fine. You're, you're, uh, I'm fine. Uh, I haven't had a conversation. I, I don't get these conversations very often at the moment on account of everyone's stuck at home. So, <laughs> but I um, can, I can sit here and chat. No, <laughs> sounds good to me. Um, there's a series on Netflix called Alien Alien Worlds or Alien Plants, I think, and oh, it, yeah. it's kind of like um, it's really really good, and it's it sort of like it takes you, it, it's it goes through like actual sort of um, science and sort of uh, uh, biology, uh, and then sort of kind of superimposes it onto a planet if that would happen by sort of kind of mirroring what happens on earth and it's it's really 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 good um it's it's definitely worth a definitely worth a watch um especially the the one where they have basically where humans um have evolved to the point of not needing bodies and they just have robots that sort of um uh service their their brains in a jar effectively and, and then and their planet's going to be sort of destroyed by by their star and so they they colonize another planet and uh yeah it's 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 a good watch really good watch God, i wonder if i had a stapleson was his really bloody um royalties <laughs> <laughs> all i'm saying is if we have been served by robots have the same technology nowadays and how reliable it really is <laughs> Yeah, as oh, long as it's not Microsoft robot. Robots. Yeah, it's not Microsoft Robots. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I'm is, man, you're going to I think... cannot service your brain. It is the wrong kind of brain. We, Please we... fetch the right kind of brain, and we will service your brain. See, I think we, we're... Because we've got... We're sort of... Uh, we... <sighs> Technology-wise, think about it. In the last sort of... Even the last 50 years, what we've sort of... What we've achieved... And you know how how fast we're evolving when it comes to technology. So like we're just we're just spoilt. So we we want everything happening now, and we want the mouse with the second mouse button, and we want things where we want things. To no, sort of... but the, thing with the second <laughs> mouse button is not a major ask. It's not like I'm asking for it to bloody voice communicate with me. I'm not asking for a mouse that follows me around and dances at the end of my finger. I'm just asking for a second fucking mouse button <laughs> okay this is what i hate it's like the, the the trouble is right is technology is designed by people who understand technology right yeah. and whenever you get into an argument with them all you have to do is you have to do no the te- i shouldn't be conforming to the technology the yeah. technology should be conforming to me this is the fundamental conceptual problem that everyone's having I shouldn't be adapting. This is supposed to be intelligent technology. Therefore, it should adapt to me, not vice versa. It's like bloody <laughs> Apple. And they, like, I got used to the button, and the swipe is so bloody annoying. I'm, it's the only thing I agree with Donald bloody Trump about. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, um, the first motion capture uh, software being used like, on the Kinect and everything, um, that was designed by guys in the, you know, America predominantly white and they were testing it using themselves and then they soon found out that the system they were using could not detect african indian people people like, <laughs> because it had not been adapted for dark skin but they have the same problem with um, facial recognition software that exactly uh, uses it can't yep. properly distinguish you unless you're middle-aged and white and white white and male because they did all their testing and they taught it using 
themselves. It's a racist technology. If you look at the history of like photography and things, and how obviously most of developed photography was in the Western world, etc., and it, it, we've had to work almost kind of very hard over the last century or so to be able to take proper pictures of um, anyone with any amount of melanin. Well, this is good. This is good. This, this, I have. I know a story about that. And anyone who remembers Blake Seven. <laughs> you remember Dana from Blake Seven, Josette yep. Simmons, right? Very dark-skinned lady. <laughs> uh, apparently, they were on location. Someone had to run around with a with a um, a spotlight to keep her illuminated <laughs> for the camera when they were on location because the sixteen millimeter film wasn't sensitive enough to. Uh, oh, she God. just she, she she was just wouldn't quite enough. I don't know what the actual technical thing. I actually did that at school. I actually went to film school for like five minutes and I have forgotten <laughs> everything about film temperature. And my bro- my my son, who has gone to film school for more than five minutes, goes, "Oh yes, this is a luminals. These are seventy eight luminals. This is t- color temperature four thousand six hundred K." And I'm like, something. God, I don't know. It's like, and also, <laughs> I hate film. I hated film as soon as I found out that you you actually um, had to work out without before without seeing with film whether it was going to be blurry or not. It could be out of focus and you wouldn't know until six weeks later when it came out of the lab. That's when I went off film. And I like, <laughs> roll on freaking video, I said. Because you want it now. <laughs> no, because I don't want to, because like, film's expensive. You don't want to do a whole setup and then find it, yeah, there was a hair in the gate. God's sake. <laughs> like, Jesus, you have no idea. The, the horror stories, you know, when I was working at the BBC, the horror stories you'd hear about labs losing whole cans oh, of film, God. right? Like, and, and television, there's no margin. There's no reshoots in television. You lose, you lose like four or five scenes. That's it. Goodbye. It's Kang Broadcasting next Thursday <laughs> with or without those shots. Because yeah, I mean... No. Didn't the, didn't the director that did one of the two Doctor Who things that you two, two scripts you did get banned from doing it again because he went over budget because he wanted to do something better? Well, they all went over budget with me because I, I was I was in, <laughs> it was like it was my first script right and the thing about your first script is you have no idea what you're doing right and you have that kind of mad arrogance of the young and you're just like I shall do this and it shall be the best thing ever made. <laughs> <laughs> And no one can tell you what to do. And you just, like, you go, oh, it'll be easy. You just do this, it'll be fine. Right now, you know, and then, then you get a bit better and you just understand, like, 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 for example, on Doctor Who, right? You had eight sets. That was it. You had eight sets. That was your sets. Once you had done, go, gone over eight, no more sets, right? And so you, and we just blatantly ignored that. Oh, we can have as many sets. And and you know and I'm amazed. I'm amazed it came out as well as it did. Really, given oh, I mean there was one point where they gave me a choice. Like you can have the windows blowing in, or you can have a floating Dalek platform. Which one do you want? And I thought, well, they'll probably do the windows blowing in better than the floating Dalek part. So I went with that one. But it's like that was what it was like. It was like you can have this or this. Choose one of those two. It's like with Rivers of London um, when we took people talk about a TV series and they go, well, it'll be terribly expensive because of blowing up Covent Garden. No, blowing up Covent Garden's the cheap bit. It's having <laughs> 240 extras on Bow Street for five days, one of the busiest yeah, streets yeah. in London, for five days in costume, throwing Molotov live pyrotechnics at each other. Right? <laughs> That's expensive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? You can't do that easily on the computer. No, you can't do that. You know, I, well, I lie. We will be. We'll do it in Bradford. We'll find a street that looks vaguely like Bow Street in Bradford and we'll close <laughs> that down. And that's how it gets done. 
Yeah. But I love computer set extensions because you you no longer get this thing like we can't do it on Mars. You can now. <laughs> <laughs> so how far it's, is the um, Rivers of London TV series in development? Well, fortunately, the Rivers of London TV series has gone the way of all COVID virus thingies, right? In that ah, it's been yeah. completely kiboshed. So nobody really knows who's making what in the next, you know. I mean, right. I was sitting there watching the, did you watch the Disney kind of announcements on, on YouTube yeah. and stuff? I was sitting there going, well, I hope you got all those in the can quickly because, you know, that's going to be a gap. Yeah, there's a lot of them. They, I, I, Some of them were shot, I know, before the pandemic. So that, oh. they were lucky that they had quite a... They obviously saved them up because, like, my God, I thought that the logistics of that is going to be a nightmare for the next six or seven months, especially in America. It still shows through a little bit every now and again. I mean, the most the recent one I can think of was in Discovery, the um, the communicator badge thing in last week's episode, where they, the previews showed a character that had the wrong badge or something, and all the lighting was wrong because they pushed out the previews while they were still working at home and someone hadn't noticed that they pushed the right, <laughs> wrong version of file out. So they were wearing a TNG uniform with a, Voy- with a Voyager com badge. Oh, no! <laughs> so by the vi- time the vinyl version came out, it was all sorted out, but everyone was well, like, you, well, you, 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 often, you often get those, I mean, it's a terrible thing on something like Discovery, though, where we're all geeks and we're watching them. Why we like the narrowed eyes. Oi! Mm-hmm. That's not what, you know. <laughs> and, and I think, like, have you, have you watched the old Star Trek series recently that was so cheap. <laughs> yeah. I love it when they go down to the planet and it's a cyc- you know and the the planet sky is a cyclone. So well, I forgot what they call they're like a big wrap around picture of a sky, right? And they have that weird whiny sound in the background that they always had when they landed on a planet like a wind in the distance that was made by <laughs> someone playing a theremin. And you sit there going guys <laughs> like and going, that's a plastic rock, and that's a cyclone. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't with, care. With the horns. <laughs> and I don't care. You know, I just don't care. <laughs> so, Again, because it's the quality of the storytelling, isn't it? If you've got the story there and the writing, that can carry it through the of the substance. Yeah, because you. I mean, a lot of the people who worked on the original series of Star Trek also worked on on Outer Limits, and and yeah. you know that's even worse so in terms of <laughs> like what they had to work with. So, you know, I remember Malcolm McDowell apparently in Wales, not very much in Wales, in one of the Outer Limits stories, <laughs> devolving. I think he was devolving in Wales. So that, was, that happens in Wales. <laughs> Yes, he was, he was devolving in Wales. It was they all kept on talking about the valley. Obviously, someone had watched something where they, people talked about the, their home valley in Wales and had just taken that to heart. And he kept on. I don't know why I'm talking about this. You got to ask me a question or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, first um, Rivers of London back in 2011. Where did that come from? I mean, that really captured the imagination of everyone, and, and just like, yeah, it's a fantastic story. And it's like, what was the kind of the thing that kind of sparked that initial spark well it's funny you know because i tried to re i tried to work out where it had come from because i thought it had come from watching the first trailer for the dresden files right yeah but Uh... when i went when i look back and i'm thinking oh i could do you know cops with magic but when i look back at the actual timing i thought i don't know why i had the thought when i look back at the actual timing the first sort of tentative things that were to become it was called magic cops for a very long time right the first things that were tentatively become magic cops 
was actually I'd actually worked on before that. I actually had kind of script notes and stuff that I'd written. And it was, I started it as a TV idea back when I thought I was a TV writer, and um, and I basically wanted to do basically what well, what would happen if Gandalf joined the Sweeney. That was the basic <laughs> thing, and and you know this dates me horribly. You see, and this is before. <laughs> Before Harry Potter took off, so everyone's like everyone. Everyone's go-to wizard is now um, Harry Potter. But when I was doing it, everyone's go-to wizard was either Merlin if you were, you know, mundane, or Gandalf if you weren't, right? And and so I was like Gandalf, and I wanted to do working-class wizards. I wanted to do kind of like, oi, put that one down, kind of wizards, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We're we're the we're the wizards, and we haven't had our dinner. You know, it was like, <laughs> like I wanted to do it like that, and so I thought, well, I'll do that, and I thought I'll do it as a um, a precinct show. You know, you guys know all know what a precinct show is, yeah. right? A precinct show is like so you have a, a, a location. The bill is a precinct. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, all of all shows that involve like a workplace are generally precinct shows. Right, and then you move out of the workplace, but basically your, your primary set is your workplace. It's going to be a precinct show, and there was going to be um, a curmudgeonly older wizard, and there was going to be a new age witch wizard, and there was going to be a, some, you know, a, an ethnic tradition from somewhere wizard, and we we're going to have the young wizard come in, some person come in and be introduced to this thing, and it was going to be basically the bill with magic. Um, I think and, that, yeah. and uh, you know, and I, I looked at it and I went, no one is going to freaking buy this. And I put it to one. So no, no one was going. No one in television. They hated fantasy and science fiction. They still hate science, fantasy and science fiction. But, um, but now they have to put it. up. Well, <laughs> the thing is, you see, they the the people that run British television really hate it, and they don't understand it because yeah. they don't teach it at Eton. So um, I, I think I think I think what happens is people who found with science fiction books in Eton must be beaten or something. <laughs> That's my theory. I was just going to say because they were just thrashed. The new Lord of the Rings, the new Lord of the Rings series on on Amazon's like the most expensive TV series ever made. Apparently, it's it's moving into the sort of like it's a billion or something. You know, it's there's a lot of money going into it. Yeah, but that's that's the last successful things fallacy. You see, this is like it's like that was conceived when Game of Thrones was the hottest thing in town. Well, we got us a bit like Game of Thrones. Ah! Someone's done it. Can't do it again. There are letters. Uh, prequels. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just... and you know there, there'll be enablers because there'll be people who want to do a Lord of the Rings prequel. We go, oh yes, it'd be really good. It have lots of swords, and then it's not boring. Bunch of elves being tedious and betraying each other in a tedious fashion for for fifteen freaking chapters. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the Silmarillion, to be honest. I've um, read it many, many, many times. It's a hard read. I mean, it's a very hard read. It's, it's, it's really, it was when you read it. It's so obvious he didn't intend anyone to read it, <laughs> right? He was basically writing that for you know that was essentially his own fan fiction for himself, right? He was it was it was the equivalent of me creating kind of like massive world of Call of Cthulhu scenarios. Yeah. It was his Call of Cthulhu scenario, and it's beautifully done. I mean, the music of Arno is, is a beautiful metaphor for, you know, creation myth. Yeah, yeah. But it's, God, it's tedious. And um, if you don't like that kind of thing, it's tedious. Uh, and, and all those elves are so annoying. I just... Uh, there are some there are uh, some good bits in it. There, there's, some, some, there's some, there's some really dark in parts it. in there, you know. Uh, like the one I... Uh, my go-to one in the Summer Indian is the uh, the dragon Glyrong, uh, basically telling uh, Chur- Turin... Um, it, is it, was it Turin and uh, Elmer? Oh, what's her name? Ah, oh, 
but it's basically the children of Huron. Uh, is it Huron and it begins with an A, which I can't remember. It basically that, <laughs> that, that they were they were brother and sister, and that the child that she was bearing is his, and then he sort of dies, and she commits suicide, and it's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. It's kind of funny when you. This is the guy that wrote the Hobbit. Yeah, exactly. It's just like <laughs> the Hobbit is a child is a child's book straight through. Lord of the Rings has got some dark ish parts in it, but it's still sort of that. But the Silmarillion is out and out fucked up at times. You know, it's just yeah, it's like, hello. Yeah. Yeah, just like he just went. Yeah, this is the sort of thing anyway, he was. You could tell he was in the trenches in World War One when he started writing this stuff because it was just like, yeah, that's well, that's my, dark. my favorite. Actually, my favorite one of those was someone said, "What did Tolkien know about?" Terror of war, it's all glamorized. I thought, yeah, he was at the song, yeah. <laughs> more than you. That's what he knew, basically. It's like the literary version of the um, the, the story about um, Christopher Lee, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, I was gonna say that, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, it doesn't make a noise like that. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, when he when he kills, when he stabs somebody, yeah. and he's just yeah. like, well, yeah, there's, there's a very famous story of um, uh, William. Goldman. Now, which one is the composer and which one is the writer? Goldman is the writer, right? <laughs> William, I'm terrible at this. I keep referring to London, the biography written by Dan Aykroyd and things like that. Goldman was talking about he was he was doing they were doing um, uh, the Battle of Arnhem, and he and he said well, he wouldn't run like that. What do you mean? Like the guy who was actually there, who the, the I think he was talking to. Oh, um, so oh it was too far. Frost. It was Frost. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. a bridge too far. And bridge Frost too far, was yeah. talking to the actor who was playing him, and he said, "You can't run that fast. You just couldn't run." And you just think, "What kind of mentality is that?" <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. It was like an old school sort of colonel, and he was just like, "You know, one wouldn't do that." I mean, yeah, you just, you just wouldn't run because your your men wouldn't like it if you ran. That. Like, I wouldn't like it. I'm like, shut. <laughs> just not the dumb my thing, men, old boy. Yeah, my not... men can lump it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, if anyone's got some experience of adapting kind of source material and making something new and fresh out of it, it's probably Amazon at the moment because they've been absolutely killing it with the boys. Oh, the boys! And, are awesome. and with uh, so Expanse, well, yeah, with the Expanse as well. Yes, with Expanse, and and but the boys, the boys. I was thinking, I was going. Don't you think that like, the boys is like the is like ten years out of date though in its political satire? It, yeah, well, it was written ten years ago. So it's, yeah. it's all it's all George Bush side. Like, oh, George Bush is an evil man. You think we're way beyond? George <laughs> yeah, Bush we're now. through the looking glass here now. Yeah. That's, that's why everyone loves it. It's nostalgia. We wish that life was just that fucked up. Yeah, we wish the fucking corporations now. were that affected. Fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back in the good old days, when you could properly hate hate things and expect them to be rational. Yes, oh, no, I, I felt it's been it's. The, the boys TV, yeah, the comics very much out of date at this point. Um, but the TV series, I felt it's more about the way that kind of corporations present themselves and the elitism behind them, and then just behind the scenes, they're all shit and can't do anything. That's what I, I've yeah, kind of I, I, I feel they've moved with the zeitgeist, in, especially in the second season. I think they, yeah. they've they've kind of like yeah. gone, oh, you know, we've come because, but that's always when you do an adaptation, you're always much more faithful in the first season. That's why Fellowship of the Ring is much more accurate in the books than, than Two Towers. Yeah. That's true. Because it's like, Fellowship of the Ring is like, we shall follow the book. Two towers. Ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have some elves turn up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that with Katie, uh, with K- uh, Katie last week and stuff. And she's like, Just, was it? Well, actually, it wasn't. It was... Um... Katie Divvies. Was the, did we talk about that? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. But, but the elves now sitting there going, when I watched it in the cinemas, like, I'm not... 
was was there elves at Helm's Deep? And I'm sitting there kind of going, have I have I have I completely missed missed that chapter or something? And I was like, no, no, I, I totally understood the you know I totally understand the reason for doing that, right? Yeah. I totally understand the reason for doing that, but it's just I just sat there going, okay, fine, elves elves at Helm's Deep. You see, and the thing is. What the thing about Helms the Black on Helms Deep is, is a beautifully choreographed uh, medieval siege. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, all that kind of stuff is like straight out of the 14th century. You're just sitting there going, someone has done their research about how you actually conduct a siege on a fortified position. You know, how you assault a wall and all that kind of like with the things with the, the the things with the things on the end that go clunk and the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. someone rides up on the the um on the ladder. Someone actually yeah, goes yeah. up on the ladder. At the front and all that kind of stuff. I just thought that's fucking brilliant. And they had poles. Did you notice they had poles to push the ladders? I just thought, yeah, of course you'd have poles. It was, ama- it was amazing. It was <laughs> really good. Like Helm's Deep was, you know, I, I, I didn't mind the Lord of the Rings because one, I was waiting for it for so long, you know, having lived Lord of the Rings my entire life. Um, waiting for the films to come out um, and then them coming out. I didn't care about the small little deviations and stuff like that. I was just like, don't care. This this is just what uh, I wanted yeah. for my no, that, entire... That was basically my... That was the, did, did you watch the trailers going, oh my God! Yeah, oh I was like, God! holy shit. This is, it was just like, it was like a family tradition thing. It was literally just watch the film. Then next year it was watch the extended edition on DVD, then go and watch <laughs> yep. the film. And then it was this literally marathon at the end. And it was just like, oh my God, it was... It was amazing. I remember the first time seeing Lord of the Rings in Manchester's um, the uh, it was the, with the, the comfy seats and stuff. I, I paid extra for the comfy seats and I sat there <laughs> and I just remember it ending and just standing up and giving it giving it a, a, a golf clap and then getting louder and I was just like amazing. I was just so buzzing off that film. Now, it, I mean, it's just a very impressive adaptation in its own right. I mean, especially the, my favorite one is the first one because I think that's the night the, the most. The, the most best as a film I think it's the best one as a film I think anyway lots of other people disagree with me but I hate them so I <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got to that stage in my life where it's okay don't agree with me fine <laughs> <laughs> I don't care I'll be dead soon <laughs> grumble grumble it's, it's basically the Victor Meldrew stage of life oh okay <laughs> it's like go away ah <laughs> Um, get off my lawn! <laughs> get off my land! Get off my land! Give <laughs> me shotgun! Where's my shotgun? Did you have any trepidation then about the adaptation of the Rivers of London series to TV? Did you worry that if there was yes. a season two, they'd start throwing all that away? And I uh, know my, my trepidation was is that I don't know if you would be watching the trailers for the watch. Oh my oh, goodness, oh. my goodness, no. Yes, I sat there, I was listening to this interview with this guy, and he said, I mean, I particularly hate this one because I hate people being stupid and pretentious at the same time. I thought you can be pretentious <laughs> and you can be stupid, but being stupid and pretentious, and this guy going, oh, we've gone for this punk concert. And I turned, if you've ever watched The Descendants, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same art direction. Oh, God. Right, so Disney's descendants, they are not being oh, innovative and punky. Yes, it is. They are just basically <laughs> stealing the art aesthetic from the this Disney's descendants. And if you are stealing from Disney's descendants, you have fallen low, my friend. Oh, <laughs> God. Anyone else on the call has probably got kids, so they probably don't know about Disney's descendants, but you're absolutely right. Yes. Watch, watch the opening. You don't have to watch it. It's right at the beginning of the first one. That's the depiction of Ank Morpork in the watch. It's the same as the depiction of the island of the evil doers. In looks exactly the same. It's punk aesthetic with you know, medieval art elements. 
and you sit there going, oh, you're not as clever as you think you are. And the thing is, we're at, what annoys me is we are at a position where we could do a watch series. And I don't mind the idea of doing a watch series Properly. per se. It's fine. You don't want to adapt the books? Do a watch series. If you are going to do one, in fact, the watch is the one to do as a series, as a police procedural, you know, with a murder every week and a stuff like Occasional Dragons, you know, that's fine. That's a perfectly good kind of like uh, series idea using the characters. That is a good way of doing it because a lot of Terry Pratchett's humour is in the narrative rather than in the, the, the interaction between yeah. the characters. And so therefore you're going to have to do something you know, because you can't the, the, to get the humour across, to get the actual humour. You may need to stretch it out. Humour is very hard to kind of translate from the internal mind control, like, like all the puns and stuff that Terry Pratchett puts into into his work, and like, you know, floating in the way with the innocent objection of an iceberg into a major shipping lane. I mean, that's <laughs> a really difficult thing to actually portray visually, right? You know, yeah. so, so, you know, you, unless you actually have someone, which is what they did in Good Omens, where you just literally just have someone say the lines because they're funny, <laughs> right? Then, you know, then that's, that you're going to have to do that, and so therefore, I forgot what I was talking about now. Yeah, so anyway, um, that, uh, that's fine, but we could, you could do the dragon, but I wouldn't do the watch series, I would do it as a CGI, if I was going to do it as a film I'd do it as a CGI, and the yeah. reason for that is then you could make the characters much more exaggerated, so yeah. so Carrot can be ridiculously handsome and fine, and <laughs> Nobby can be ridiculously ugly, in a way that you just can't get really get a uh, yeah. Actors to do a live action actor it just wouldn't look right. I mean, they they've tried to do it, but they just it's it's hard to do. You, yeah. They made a stab at it with Hogfather and the other ones, mm. but it's very difficult to actually do to make Ant Morpok come alive as a live action thing because it's so exaggerated, you know, and all the trolls and everything. And then you don't have to worry about the fact that Detris like looms over everyone and all that kind of stuff and and it will just make much more sense you could have Sybil Ramkin could be a huge lady with a big bosom you know and a wig yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you don't I, know <laughs> yeah I mean I watched the trailer for the um, for the watch and I thought yes I'd watch it except that I know what it, I read the book it's based on and this isn't it yeah and I mean if it was if you completely ignored all the Pratchett yeah. elements that was supposed to be there and just took it as visually as is. Yeah, it looks a lot of fun. But when you say, oh, it's 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 the watch, it's by Tay Pratchett, it's uh, Walk Walk going, really? Yeah, is I'm, it? I, I'm not going to reward them by watching it. They're not going to yeah. have no money from me even <laughs> indirectly. Yeah. I'm sorry. Especially when his daughter comes out and just says, yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> yes. So yeah, yeah so, but I, by way of a, that, I, 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 I use that by way of an awful warning. Yeah, That's uh, this could be you on the one hand, money on the yeah. other hand, dreadful watch. Yeah, so how much involved are you with the TV series? Well, if there was a TV series, you see, I I had a very very good contract that basically said I was totally involved, and this is a double edged sword because, of course, say for example, you know, I sold it to Amazon and Amazon took it away and did something horrible with it. I would just sit here and go. Americans, respect. <laughs> right? But if you're if you're actually contractually an executive producer, which I which I have, you know, with like veto powers and realistic consultation, which is what this is in contract or something like that, and it goes to like then if it's crap, it's going to be my fault. Yeah. Right. Which I suddenly thought, shit, I should have just walked away. Like they say, take the money and run. Maybe I should have just taken the money and run. Right. I would have saved myself a lot of pain and suffering. Like George R. R. Martin. One, 
one of the reasons why it hasn't been made yet because it's like been in development with several people now for about ten years since it since it came out basically um, is because I want control. Yeah, and I, uh, the trouble is, it's not very popular. In, my series is not very popular in America. Ah. Okay, you see, so it's not very popular. It's okay. I'm, um, but in America, I'm strictly middle list. I'm not like you know hugely popular. Um, and so therefore, this is a very expensive series, as we've stated. What with you know 240 extra strength Molotov cocktails at each other in Bow Street, yeah. right? Not to mention the six Jags you will need. Six marks to freaking nineteen sixty seven Jags, which is like you know, each one worth about four hundred thousand pounds each, <laughs> and yeah, one yeah. for just running into things. Remember, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's a very expensive show. It's a couple of million per episode. It's not a cheap show. More than that, in fact, I think they were talking about. So it has to have American money, and as soon as the Americans come in, they're going to want to know what's it all about, and they don't get most of it because if they did, I'd be more popular in America. Because yeah. it's, so, it's very British style, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, it's I, I've got to admit that I deliberately make it as British as possible yeah. just to annoy Americans. <laughs> <laughs> no offense here, American it's, listeners. It's, by the way. <laughs> you know, I love them. No, I love Americans. I love America. Okay. I love America. I've, I've devoured American culture from the get go. And I, I'm a more generous bunch of nicer people, right? As you can meet. But the bloody. I resent the kind of um, the the, the cultural. No, I resent the cultural imperialism. There's no other real word for it. Of the yeah. situation where yeah. I'm in, where uh, I am faced with a, a, a power, a cultural power that just um, obliterates everything in its path. All right, and they don't mean to do it, but it's rather like dealing with toddlers. You know, they don't mean to you know poo on the steps, but they do. <laughs> and it's the you know, and you love them. But you know they're they're just pa- huge toddlers, a bit like paprika, <laughs> really. Um, and and this metaphor has gone completely out of control. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. they escalated See, quickly. Is, is, anyway, before I before I alienate everyone in America, like, <laughs> I just like to say, so I make it as British as possible because that's more fair to Americans. I see read too many things where British authors are kind of patronizingly. Um, catering to Americans, and I don't think I don't think it's fair on Americans. I I don't expect them to cater to me when I'm reading, you know, Ed McBain novel. I don't expect him to suddenly put things in that I will under, you know, change things that I will understand them. And I I don't think Americans really want us to do that. I just think they're executives who remember are Gibbons, not actually people, really in a lot of cases. But in fact, strategically shaved Gibbons. Put in a suit to quote Terry Pratchett, um, <laughs> and and so therefore I basically it's, it's also like I'm also part of it's Peter Grant who's just a, a very annoying person, so he and he's the narrator remember so he does yeah. everything in kilometers because he knows it annoys his people who use miles and pounds and pounds so that's why he does everything in meters and, and kilograms because he knows it like because he's a traveler fan so he like doesn't believe in. You know, he doesn't believe in doing imperial measurements. And so, therefore, <laughs> yeah, he does that. So uh, people go, but why does, why does Redwoods use feet and inches? Because she's American. She uses feet and inches. You know, people use what they use. So I deliberately write it. And I also throw in as much slang as possible. <laughs> That's true. So, yes, thank you. <laughs> does, uh, Chris, Chris... I'm, not, I'm not English. Uh, I'm not a native English speaker. So sometimes I was like, um, what's going on here? <laughs> so I had to look it up. 
I did offer the American. Well, I you know, I did offer the Americans footnotes, and they said no. What about Romanians though? Christina's Romanian, uh, so well you know <laughs> the footnotes would have been good for you because they were kind of bland footnotes. But uh, <laughs> uh, but in this days of Google, you know you can you can it's 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 not it's yeah you know, it's not like the old days when like if you didn't understand something you either worked it out from context or you just went without you know yeah. go to the bed without your supper. But most people can work things out from context, you know, unless they they work for the Times yeah. Literary Supplement. You seem to have a bit of a problem with that. <laughs> but uh, what can you do? Eaten. I think they get beaten. Uh, I, think, I don't know. I think that I think that the English regime in uh, the English language regime in Eaton must be a bit weird, given the way the product the, the product is. The people I keep running into. I was just thinking that two of your books were already translated to Romanian. So if I don't understand something, I can just go get those. Yeah, and you can tell me whether the translation is any good because it's like really weird <laughs> things like for translations. You never know if the translation is any good or not. <laughs> I will have to check because I read it. I read them in uh, in English, but I will look uh, in a bookstore. I would be very I would be very interested. I love it when I get translated into other languages though. You get wonderful covers. Like the 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 Czech covers are just insane Czech covers that they do. <laughs> I wonder and, I wonder how many diplomatic incidents have been, have, have have occurred because of bad translations. Well, you know, it's a difficult job. And the, the trouble with being English, of course, is everyone else speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> so you're basically this kind of like stupid idiot baby that walks into a room and everyone goes, oh, look, he can't even speak five languages. What a, <laughs> what a, what a ignoramus he is, too. And you go, well, I speak English quite well. Yeah, everybody does, even the Swedes. <laughs> Let's see, Christina, her, her English is better than mine. I'm a native okay. English speaker. Yeah, the thing is that it really English is. It's often worse because we don't get you talked to properly. We did, well, I remember when I was younger doing a German exchange and being the only person in the room that was above that was above the fifteenth part of thirty people, and there was it was half and half English and English and German kids, and so all the English kids were at the bottom, with one with one particularly stupid German kid who fell behind me. <laughs> Well, I bet he felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, oh no, I'm behind all the English. Yeah, I, I can't. Do, I can't do languages. I, I I can learn swear words and a couple of chat up lines in different languages, and that'll probably be about that. You know. You can say my name properly, so. We... <laughs> yeah, I just you know. You've known I'm, for how long? My girlfriend's my girlfriend's Polish, and I, you know, I just all I know is the Borat stuff because Borat's actually speaking Polish, so a wawa wiwa and cinque and things like that. They're they're Polish Polish sounds like you know. Yakshimesh. But that's that's because you and the Poles share the same thing of not spelling your names correctly. <laughs> Uh, well, Everybody else spells their name phonetically, except for you and the poles. So you know that you you deserve each other. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ask then is like, how did the comics come about? Oh well, that was that was that was me flexing. That was me flexing because like you get to a certain point where you go, oh look, I've got a bit of power. How can I use it to my own advantage? What have I always wanted to do? And I thought, ah. I can use my IP. I've always wanted to write comics. So I thought I can use my IP to write comics. Uh, and so I basically went to Titan and went, look, here's my IP. It's very popular. Would you like a comic? Yes, you would. Yes, you would like a comic. Yes, you would. <laughs> I have to write it. <laughs> and I went, oh. 
all right then. and that was it and 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 it was great although well, no, they were very good it was much more kind of considered than that but it was like and and it was so i i basically used my my flexi it's amazing because you know you spend so much time of your uh in the creative industries not having any power at all right basically especially when you're a writer which is like the lowest of the low of the low at the bottom of the heap mm. and then suddenly you like you get a little bit of power you go a bit power man ah! <laughs> strawberry smarties <laughs> and um and so but you know you must use it for good with great power comes great responsibility so i used it to get myself a gig writing comics because i always wanted to <laughs> living, sure living the dream but it was it was a lot of fun yeah, and fun also the thing about comics you can do things that you can't do in books and vice versa so i i enjoy the flexibility that comics gives you i enjoy the things that you can you can because the books are all written from the first person so therefore you can't follow other characters. So you can do that in the comics. And, the, and, and basically I just kind of like pretended I was Alan Moore and, and got to yeah. it. That's how I, that's how I do most things. I pretend I'm somebody else. I pretended I was William Gibson for quite a long time in my early career. Oh, William Gibson is fantastic. And, and now I'm pretending I have so William Gibson's slightly less talented brother. I like to think of myself as, and uh, and now I think of myself as Alan Moore's kind of like an Alan Moore tribute act. <laughs> well, I was going to say. <laughs> so so uh, and unlike, unlike Alan Moore, I don't have an argument with the publisher. Yes. Two and a half yeah. volumes in, <laughs> and then abandon it. I have not forgiven him. I wanted to know what happened next in Tom Strom. I did. Yeah, and and I'm cross. And uh, top ten. Never mind Tom Strom. Bloody top. Ah! Sorry. Have you read um, <laughs> uh, Providence and Neonomicon by Animal? No, no. I I I I I I haven't read that. All all. Um, from hell either i read yeah. that yeah basically I... neonomicon and uh, providence is alamo's take on lovecraft and cthulhu Ooh, yeah fantastic some of his best writing i quite like a, a comedy take on cthulhu you see my problem is i can't stay serious for any length of time yeah <laughs> So, well, uh, well have you, know. you read, read read any Charlie Strauss? That's basically IT and British bureaucracy against Lovecraftian horrors. Oh, Charlie Strauss is the bane of my life because yeah. I sat there and I went, I shall write a novel about, you know, I shall write a police procedural magic. And like, so I said, What do you mean, like, like the atrocity archives? Archives. And I went, What's that? Said, this is a guy <laughs> called Charlie Strauss. He's written a book about the. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit yeah. like the Dresden Files. Oh, go away! <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know. No, literally, literally, I was working in Waterstones Covent Garden while I was writing the first book, and a guy came in said, hi, you run the science fiction section? I said, yes, I do. He said, I've got this book. It's a murder mystery set in, a magical murder mystery set in Covent Garden. <laughs> that was Mike Shevden, right? 61 <laughs> Nails. I was like, you... Bastard! <laughs> <laughs> I thought, what is it? Has everyone decided to write a murder mystery, magical murder mystery set in bloody Covent Garden just because I decided to? And and so you do. And it's like, I got turned down by an agent because they said, well, have you already got a supernatural um, detective series? I went, what? It was, it was Alan Rickman. Not Alan Rickman. <laughs> wow. That's amazing, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, somebody Rickman. Oh, God, I've, I, I'm friends with him and I forgot his name. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. But he, Merrily Watkins series set in Herefordshire. So, 
So you alienated the Scottish, the American, and the different. I, I, I will, I will get on to the the rest of Europe. It's <laughs> gonna go. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. see the chat. Yeah, I saw the chat. Are those the Romanian covers then? Yep, the Romanian covers of the two books that were translated. Oh, nice. They're, they're very, very well good looking. I, look, I do very well in two countries, right? Apart from Britain. I do very well in Germany and I do very well in the Czech Republic. And everywhere else, I'm kind of... Okay. I mean, what the French think... gave it a good shot, but they yeah. just like, no, I was like, no, we don't want him to English. No, right. It's mad that you sort of, like, were how people take to stuff. Like, when in my old, in my band, which we haven't done anything in ages because of, you know, lockdown and getting older and stuff, but um we are not you know we ha- you know the rock and roll dream definitely died but um you know we still sort of you know we still fight that we're still doing it but um we, our album we got really good reviews from america from holland they loved us in holland uh france germany hated us like literally vitriolically hated us and i was just like why are they i don't understand why they hated us so much but it's like everybody else seemed to really enjoy it and we got some really amazing reviews but germany like the highest rate we got from a german reviewer was a six i think out of ten and it was like they just did not like it i'm not sure if it was because the cover of it was like a, a black eagle on a red background and it was maybe two sort of kind of you know, uh, so yeah. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it was yeah. just like, you know, yeah, it was it just, just reminded me, Matt, I've just, just gone and followed you on Spotify because I absolutely love that album. I remember I had it in my car for years and he's just put it on when I was driving. It's a good album. It turned into yeah. it's Queen's Greatest Hits. Yeah, it's a good album. <laughs> I'm very proud of the album. Uh, I'm very sad. Sorry, that we I couldn't haven't... resist that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, but yeah, Germany, it's mad. I like that just people don't sort of, to certain well, things. people who go, oh, do they not? You know, you see, there's always a tendency to go very nationalistic about it and go like, oh, maybe it's just too good for the Germans or good good for the Americans. But the thing is, is that people like some things don't translate very well. Something even yeah. even into countries where um, they speak the same language ostensibly, right? And yeah, I, I it just didn't click with the Americans. You know, I would love to click with the Americans because then I'd have even more money. But you know, it probably will. Like, it eventually, will probably. They, uh, they, ha- they have a habit so. of sort of being a bit I, behind. I think I'm going to end up being a Terry Pratchett tribute act because I think I'm going to be like really big ish in Britain and elsewhere, terribly and not and unknown in America, and they're never going to get the covers right. Yeah. <laughs> there are worse people you could be associated with, I suppose. Though. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, I'd love to be. I'd love to have Terry Pratchett sales. Oh, thank you very much, Daddy. Me. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll, I'll be Britain's number one best-selling author for ten years running till J.K. Rowling came along, or something like that. Something ridiculous like that. She's not exactly covering herself in glory at the minute, is she? <laughs> no. And the moral of that story is stay off the internet. Yeah. Do not. She has become Delos on Bridge, to be fair. Really? <laughs> she has what? She has I'm become Delos on Bridge. <laughs> no, you, to choose the hill you die on, that's what I say. Yeah. And preferably, don't die on the hill. <laughs> my motto. Peter Grant would say, don't die on the hill. Never mind the hill you die on. Don't get up on the bloody hill in the first place. Yeah. 
then you won't die on it. Also, <laughs> when you're as rich as she is, you kind of you can choose you can choose which hill you die on and pay other people to die yeah, for you. Yeah, you can just cry, to, well, cry yeah, yourself yeah. to sleep in your bed of millions. Oh, I'm so <laughs> yeah, sad. Wiping your eyes with 20-point notes. Oh. It's really funny, but I don't think... The thing about being a writer is money doesn't... You don't get money in the same... It's not like being Bill Gates, right? It's like you don't have power in the same way. Like someone like Bill Gates has power in, a, in an unimaginable levels of power. Bezos has an unimaginable... Elon Musk has unimaginable levels of ego. And you they have power in a very specific way because of their money. But I, if you're a writer, you're basically still doing the same thing you were doing like 30 years ago when you were broke. And all that changes... <laughs> Is that you have slightly, you know, slightly fewer distractions. That's all the changes, and people yeah. want you to go to more meetings. <laughs> it's like you're still doing day in, day out. You're still doing the same thing. You're still sitting down in front of a word processor, banging it, going, "What the fuck happens next?" Uh, right? Why can't I write more than five words in a row? <laughs> Whereas, you know, because when you're a writer, you can't, unless you're Patterson, obviously, you can't get somebody else to do it. <laughs> or, Clan, or Clancy. Clancy. Or Clancy. Well, yes, but that's because he was... Well, he got the hang of it just before he went as well, didn't he? I, yeah. I think this is probably a good idea. I can make some money out of that. Let's get someone to do it for me. I'll put my name well, on Well, you see, the thing is, I with these things, you see, with Clancy, I suspect it was the people around him. Mm, yeah who did that i mean he probably you know with his with his acceptance but there is a yeah there's there's a lot of pressure on that the tv series in a way is like oh let us take tv let us take your franchise and do stuff with it <laughs> that's that they're kind of you know you have the same thing but it's mm. you know the the temptation is always there but the thing is is i you know i feel for writers because writers don't actually their lifestyle does not actually change that much your house gets bigger if you're lucky mine isn't i'm still in the same flat <laughs> right I'm, I'm i think i'm just getting to the point because i live in london you see i'll, I'll oh, have to God. be a lot richer before i can move in a mansion if you moved up north yeah, well, you say that, yeah. but then I'd be living up north. There's <laughs> 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 nothing wrong with living up north. There's nothing wrong, but I'm a Londoner. This is the thing, right? Nobody ever expects Londoners to be loyal to London. It's like, they're always like totally shocked. Oh, you're loyal to London? How can that be? <laughs> you, you know, if I was from someone's, because I keep getting asked this question. This is a question that comes a lot of interviews. Why do you set your books in London? Where the hell do you think I'm going to, if I was from bumfuck Manchester, you know, <laughs> And I set my books in in the small community of bumfuck, right? And uh, like intimate stories of of life amongst I don't know wherever they do up there, right? I've now alienated the masses. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I, 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 Irish Alan in Manchester. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's just so, south of bumfuck, in fairness. Yes, yeah, right. No, but if I was from there. You know, everyone would. No one would ask me that question. They wouldn't say, "Why do you set your books in 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 BF?" You know, BF Manchester. They would think as a proud. They, the, the opening line would be as a proud Manc. He, he sets his <laughs> books in the in the hills and 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 derelict coal faces of his youth. You know, and but if we, when you're from London, everyone wants to know why you're setting your stuff in London, as if it's like a sin. You set yourself in London, you <laughs> evil <laughs> man. Ugh. I suppose you get a lot. You do get a lot. You're like I am. You know, Manchester's being my home for nearly. I've lived in Manchester now longer than I lived in Northern Ireland. So. 
I've been here over 20 years now and uh you know I yeah I do have a you know as much as I'm I'm technically Cheshire now I'm not Greater Manchester anymore because I'm in, I'm slightly <laughs> I, I'm Cheshire now but I've still got a loyalty towards Manchester. Yo, posh. Yeah, I'm in Cheshire, I'm in Cheshire, Cheshire right. darling. Yes. You're in Hollyoaks now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry that I do. <laughs> I, I missed that. You you you, you broke up. At, uh, I, no, I've got... I said that Hollyoaks is a reference that I know and that I'm sorry that I do. <laughs> no, no. I actually only know it because I, one of those things, references I know by osmosis, when you know something because it's like the Kardashians. I have scrupulously avoided learning about the Kardashians, <laughs> but I know the Kardashians exist and one of them's got a bum. This is like the extent of my knowledge about the Kardashians. Right? Only uh, one of them, though. Only one. <laughs> you know, and I think, and and you know, that's all I know about the Kardashians. And I've actually made an effort not to learn anymore. But it's like the Hollyoaks. Yeah, I never saw Hollyoaks. I just know it was done by the same guy that did Brookside. That's all I know about it. Really. Okay. I'm arresting you for murder. About the Kardashians, I assume they were talking about the Kardashians. Yes, and to well, be I know. fair, I realised there was very little difference. Yes, girls <laughs> did have a nice ass. It has to be said. <laughs> but the Kardashians were probably a, lot, a little bit less, a little bit less scary overall. <laughs> yes, we well, probably had more morals as well. Really, and like, less plastic surgery <laughs> apart from one of the one in Voyager. <laughs> I've got the bloody Hollyoaks theme tune in my head now. Darning, 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 ding, 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 ding. See, no, 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 no. my one's Brookside. Bloody fanfare for the common bloody man. <laughs> bloody hell! Get out of my head. Ah. <laughs> For my sins, I know more than I should know about Hollyoaks because my other half's addicted to it. It's her only vice. Oh, my, which yeah. means, and the other, I think it was a couple of weeks, couple of months back, they did a. It was the anniversary, so they played the very first ever Hollyoaks. The, Is it still the on? Oh uh, yeah, it's still running. What oh, God? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they played the very first ever Hollyoaks, and so my other half watched it because she missed it. I remember seeing it because I was still a student back then. And I was hammered and hammered the night before and hungover, and. Um, <laughs> you're like what, what's this all about and the tv's still on and oh god no 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 don't don't do it don't do it don't do yeah. it don't ever go back there my, my... I, I can't i can't do soaps because i can't cope with the um relentless depressingness of them yeah, in yeah. that nobody ever achieves any kind of triumph without uh becoming sooner or later like going down into the pits again and so therefore it's just like no i want my characters to have their moment of triumph that i want to cut away <laughs> oh, God, no. that moment of triumph is just being held up so that everyone can watch while they smack you in the head with a sledgehammer exactly <laughs> i i don't i can't cope with that i just can't i i mean i used to watch eastenders when it first started Ooh, i watched eastenders because it was like oh this is a new thing and then after a while i just went i can't go with it anymore yeah. My mum watches that religiously, like all was, the time. Uh, I was once asked to write some TV listings many years ago, <laughs> and was asked to write a TV listing for Hollyoaks, and I just found what I wrote about it. So, <laughs> if you don't all indulge me, I shall begin. <laughs> Unbelievably, this series is still going, despite never having answered the key question: Why does everyone look exactly the same? <laughs> Warren's death is the crisis around which the much of the drama revolves, but frankly, who cares? <laughs> this is true car crash television. But you're in at this time, quite frankly, what else are you going to watch? <laughs> For some reason, they didn't print it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. 
I'm sure my god, it started in 1995. Just pulled up the Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. The first season aired in Romania. That's how I heard about Holyoaks. I actually watched the first season. Wow. Wow. When it, when it started, like 95, 90, whatever, I was 10. And then I saw, like, three years ago, I was in London and it was on TV. And I was like, holy crap. Yep. <laughs> it's there. Going. One of the shows that I oh think my... at the time it, it God, kept it's going sponsored by Nescafe. Was it was it dubbed in Romania, Christina, or was it uh, was it subtitles? Subtitles. We don't do dubbing. Oh, okay. Uh, unless for like cartoons for children. That's the same thing the Swedes do. Sweet Swedish, not the Swedes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same. <laughs> Ah. There's another European country going off the list. No, no. I, I, the, thing about, the thing about Sweden that makes it scary is that because they never dub any, they never allow, they don't allow. It's actually illegal. You are not allowed to dub films and television into into Swedish, uh, which must be cruel for all those Swedish actors who don't get any work. But never mind. Um, it's why their English is so good. So I did a convention in Sweden, and it's the only convention I've done abroad in a foreign language where I could do subtle jokes. And they would get them. They would get all the kind of like little wink, wink, nudge, nudge jokes that like that like would go over the head of a German audience because it, you know the English is good, but it's not that good yeah. for you to do it. And it was quite terrifying, really, that their English was like you say better than mine. <laughs> it is very sad when somebody you know their second language can speak English a lot better than you can. And you're like and write it I'm, as well, and you're just like. Uh. <laughs> at one point, I was learning French on the basis that that's the best way to annoy the French is to speak French to them. Because <laughs> it just really annoys them. It used to, you know, like whatever you say about Tony Blair, it just used to really annoy the French that he could speak French. <laughs> and I feel that I feel that something I wanted to do. I wanted, but then then I didn't do very well in France, so I switched to German. It's totally mercenary. And I now I love German and Germany, and I like going. Well, to English Germany, is a Germanic so. language, isn't it? So there's oh yeah, but it doesn't have like god bloody personal pronouns change. Depending yeah, on where they are in the freaking fucking sentence, <laughs> Why is it den? Why is it den? Why has it become den? <laughs> yeah, I remember that's why I gave up on German as well. It's like I don't need to know what gender a table is. Like, <laughs> don't the gender I can cope with. I can cope with gender. Gender's fine. That's the position as well. <laughs> it's it's what the proposition is the pronouns change the pronouns change it where in due to the position in the sentence and i still haven't figured out how and, and does it do that in romanian as well uh we have genders and yes they do all the yeah. words change depending on where you're using them sometimes and unlike unlike czech which is even worse right czech when you're signing books and in German, I, I, I sign books and I, I put fur, which means, you know, F, umlau, U, R, meaning four, instead of four, you know, because I think I'm in Germany, beers and Germans. But you can't do that in, in Czech Republic because in Czech, if you put the Czech beginning, then the name changes. You have to change the end of someone's name. So they tell you a name and then you have to change the end of their name depending on, on the honorific or the, the, the thing oh, that you put oh. in front of it. Oh. And so my translator, my friend, had to stand going, spelling the names, which is just as well. But was, that was quite fun. And <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. So Yeah, my, my yeah. girlfriend's... Countries, I think. My girlfriend's Polish, yeah. uh, and um, I, I I have not learnt any Polish whatsoever because it's it, it's super hard. I, I had to sort of look at sort of like, you know, 
Polish words. And there's like so many different variants of just like just one word. And you're just like, I might, there's so many Zs and Ys and things. And you're just like, I'm never going to get this. Well, it's like each language has its own particular thing that for foreigners to hate, right? Like English, <laughs> it's the inconsistency in spelling, yeah. pronunciation, and vocabulary, well, right? Because English but, isn't a language. It's like 15 languages stood on each other's shoulders in a trench coat. But it's like, why is, why, why is it, well, what, you know, why is, why is it totally inconsistent? Why is, why is it window? <laughs> why? <laughs> why is it women why is it women why isn't it women you know men's why isn't it men's <laughs> why isn't it man's <laughs> but the thing is it's not just english it's where you come from speaking i saw a good article that someone or a good thing posted somewhere the other day about australia about a guy who was trying to teach german to australians and i think it was german it was one of the languages where he was saying that the problem is for, for australians of course the more respectful you are to people the more you hate them so he was trying to talk about he was trying to teach them things like how you use honorifics and things like that. And um they were getting really freaked out. They were like, but I don't want to call him like Mr. I wanna I wanna do this. No, you don't understand. If you're if you're really informal to someone who's important, they're going to be insulted and walk away. Well that's not very nice, is it? <laughs> Amazingly, yes, her doctor professor. Yeah. <laughs> Take it very seriously. Mr. Doctor Professor thing. Yeah, no, they they actually say you say Doctor Professor. I, I can't remember. Someone taught me that. I mean, it's it's German has become a lot more informal over the last thirty years it, because you you very you don't use the the um you don't, you don't, yeah everyone is now her and or or frau you don't use you don't use uh, fraulein or i don't know what the other one was you don't use a lot of the more formal language and, and people don't know are no longer doctor professor something unless they're big um you know unless they're writing out their cv they don't they don't put doctor you know you don't refer to people hi mr doctor professor uh, and things like that which, which you know which is we we're raised on kind of world war Two dramas and so therefore we want to call everyone like you know Ashton! <laughs> and apparently they don't talk like that anymore uh, i always remember um that the german for uh, mobile phone is handy, and I always remember yeah. Stephen Fry doing his piss oh, take in German. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's <fine> handy, <laughs> and, you know, and and that puts me that I, weirdly that allows me to put myself so that I can pronounce German correctly because it it stops you from doing all the stereotypes because you do it's a completely different set of stereotypes, but it's like a, it's, <laughs> it breaks your kind of stereotypes. Like, oh, it's mine handy. Yeah, the only German I know is from war movies, so I know Ich verstehe and Was ist los and, uh, was things, was? Like, and things like that. Schnell, schnell. Yeah, so if it's in a war movie, I probably know it, but other than that, you know, I don't. Or meine Wassermelone ist kaputt. I was in Hamburg and I found a broken watermelon, so I stood beside it and said that, and I went, I, I've used the phrase, my watermelon <laughs> is broken, and I found the watermelon that was broken, and I was like, there we go, that's what was for. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I know. I was very proud of myself. There's a there's a photograph of me in Hamburg on my knees, going, "Meine Wassermelone is kaputt." <laughs> my, my problem is that I've spent all this time learning German, right? But every time I go to Germany, my French, which I was compulsorily taught for ten years, which I thought hadn't gone in by any part of my brain, will emerge and ambush my German. So I always <laughs> oh, no. in the cafe. Oh. Uh, it just goes, "You're in foreign." 
<laughs> Therefore, it's Avic. Say Avic, you're in foreign now. So, oh, go, God. so, so you say, so I, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a cafe bitter, right? And they go, and, they go, and instead of saying Mitsuka, suka, you go, Avic suka. Ah, sex! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the problems of being multilingual, eh? Speak so many different languages, though, that, oh, sorry, they're just like, all confused. Germans have no sense of humour about it. <laughs> Unless you're in the Alsace region, I suppose, and then they probably just think you're weird. Yeah. <laughs> they probably do have sense of humour, only once you're no longer present while they're taking the piss out of you. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's very hard to tell with the Germans. They have a sense of The idea that the Germans don't have a sense of humour is, is oh, extremely yeah. wrong. Right? They have an incredibly dry... I mean, we think we're sarcastic. The English think they're sarcastic, but my God! The Germans are like, you say something and you go, are they being sarcastic or are they not being sarcastic? <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> yes, well, in England, I'm sure you like Saveva. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you being sarcastic or are you just being German? I can't tell the difference. <laughs> My mum yes. was like that, who to her dying day claimed that she didn't know the meaning of the word sarcasm. <laughs> we think she was being sarcastic when she said it. Because <laughs> she used to say things like, you know, oh, I just love being rained on. And you think, that's sarcasm. That's got to be sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <coughs> a bit strange, my family. Uh, <laughs> what what was, your, was, your, was your mother German? No, no, my mother. <laughs> I was going to no, say good no, my mother. Actually, my mother was from Lancashire. Well, uh, her family was from Lancashire. Well, there you go, Northern so, Lancashire. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, posh. So that's <laughs> the, the dirty little secret that the North doesn't like to admit is the sheer number of posh provincials that come down and run yeah. the country, and they like to pretend it's all they all come from like the South. But actually, the if you look at the cabinet at the moment, it's staffed with people who went to posh schools in the North. <laughs> Damn you, and, North. Uh, Yes, you bloody northerners with your pushness. <laughs> if you've ever been to Harrogate, right? Harrogate, my God. I went to Harrogate and I walked past three posh bathroom shops. And I, at first I thought it was one posh bathroom shop, right? <laughs> but no, it was three separate posh bathroom shops right next to each other. And I thought, what kind of a town has three posh bathroom shops? I mean, it's not a big town. And it has three <laughs> posh bathroom shops. Do you go there? Oh, I didn't like the ones in that one. I'll go to the one next door. I'm taking my money next door. I don't like what you've got. Yes, I don't like don't like your avocado creme de fray or whatever the bloody thing is. I don't do this sort of stuff. I'm colourblind anyway. Just so. <laughs> go to Middlesbrough. That's not posh at all. No, I got John oh, John Lewis. I love that. No, I'm not posh. I got a John Lewis. That's my standards. My standards. I've gone up from MFI to IKEA, and now I'm in John Lewis. The only way up from there is you actually get a designer in, and he sources them from third parties sources your material from third parties that's, that's where you go after john lewis basically it's terrible well maybe if the tv series takes off you can get there then no yeah. no i will never become that person you totally will <laughs> i will never i will i, I will i will send you this pod i will send you this podcast when you're sitting there i will because yeah. i'm too i forgot to, it's too late you see if that had happened in my 30s yeah totally <laughs> right, but I'm I'm in my fifties now. Once you hit your fifties, that's basically it as far as personal development goes. <laughs> right. 
That's it. Because you don't. You got. You, I got like. I, I suddenly got all this money. Right. Right. Like ten years ago, I had a successful book. Right? After a long period of not having a successful book, I had a successful book. And I woke up one morning. I went, you know, I can go to Barbados. I went to Barbados just because I could go to Barbados. I can afford to fly a plane to Barbados. First class, I might add, right? Stay in a nice hotel. I didn't like it. I came back and I just thought, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> you got the guilt. Thought, you got the guilt. It's too late. It's too late. You would have really enjoyed that in your face, but you just don't want to do it. No, it wasn't even guilt. It was just like, oh, could have been better. <laughs> that was a long flight, you know. I don't like going down the shops. I have to go all the way down the Heathrow and on a plane. And, you know, no. <laughs> Let's not do that again. Just the way to Heathrow. But my God, you find out why posh people are grumpy. <laughs> right? Because, like, they get off, they go, well, you go first class on something like BA first class, and it's, like, so pampered. Like, like you have this, oh, this room. Oh, oh, lovely, lots of room. And then, and then you get off at the other end and you're stuck in the bloody passport queue with everyone else. It must make you, ah, <laughs> get out of my way, plebs. And you think, you know, this is why they're so grumpy all the time and, and entitled because they just like, they have all, they spend half their time being pampered and the other half getting their chins kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the people that pamper them would kick their shins if they could. Absolutely. I know, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I have a, I have a weird proletarian field around me, so so basically stewardesses and the like they know I'm not supposed to be there, so they're horrible to me. <laughs> well, it could be I'm a large fat man. There's something about being a large fat man. People always look at you like, why are you taking up so much room? <laughs> I don't know. And also, could you move over? We need to trim the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Happened to a friend of mine flying to Stornoway. <laughs> really. Yes, on one of those little like little prop planes, and there was like two large people. They said, "Could you not sit on the same side?" Oh, (laughs) wow, that's really bad. (laughs) I thought, "Yay, you should run up! You should run up and down, go ha, trim this out." (laughs) That's like the next level up from the joke about the scales that say one at a time, isn't it? Well, I always like the joke from Monster Zoo. You've got your own weather system. And then you, you have your own weather system. I just love that. Uh, it's a joke. Um, <sighs> you, uh, you've been saying that um, you've been watching a lot of sort of Star Wars Rebels and stuff like that. Have you been catch, have you catched The Mandalorian at all? Yeah, of course I've caught a bloody Mandalorian. <laughs> like, oh, it's Friday. Friday morning. Quick, the Mandalorian. Yep. Ah. Oh, and now it's Discovery. Ah. Oh, was I supposed to do something today? Uh, nope, not really. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know that feeling. So, yeah, my only trouble with the Mandalorian is like, I spent the first season going, which Kurosawa film are we doing today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now we're doing, oh, we're doing Sorcerer. Okay, I got it. Frankenheimer films. Which Frankenheimer film are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I know one thing that only the one thing that really bugs me. Well, I, I said this last week. In general, in Star Wars films and in the Mandalorian, it's just stormtroopers are fucking useless. There is no, there's, they're just, they're just absolutely like that guy, um, that stormtrooper with the the auto the auto rifle who's sitting there blasting away at Boba Fett, 
and he gets running over by a boulder and it's just like he's just like dude move out of the way and it's just like and the other ones are just coming getting absolutely obliterated by a stick on, with this armor that's completely pointless and it's just like you know yes. and you have to wonder what the armor is for don't you <laughs> yeah. i mean well it's not I mean, ablative it doesn't protect you from anything what the hell is it for this week, when he's when he's he's wearing the imperial armor and he goes to block the blow, and the armor just oh, yeah. shatters. Yeah. <laughs> and that's <laughs> it. Well, because he because he's so used to having his armor, which he can deflect oh. like lightsabers with, and then he sort of got, it smashes. That was a really good episode. That last one was really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the only time I've seen a blaster ricochet off armor is in the last Star Wars uh, film in the Rise of Skywalker when a Sith trooper gets blasted and it sort of kind of ricochets off. And that's it. That's the only time I've seen that happen. And it's just like, why did you not do that more often? Why is it one shot to the because ass? Because that was red armor. Yeah. And the Star Troopers is yeah. white armor. Yeah, that's just yeah, he had the executive armor, you see. Yeah. He had the upgrade package. But you do see their game like their small unit tactics are shit. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> I mean, my God, they're shit. I mean, like you know, oh you just think any any modern army would just have take them out. Like, in fact, quite a lot of not very modern armies would take them yeah. out in no time because they've got no unit cohesion. They don't bloody move in leaps and bounds. They don't cover each other. They they do any of the things that you'd expect an actual uniform body of people would, you know, and they don't. And also, this it's the same thing in like things like this. Like watching Avengers Endgame, right? I was watching Avengers Endgame, and I just went, and you're going to charge at each other. That's your tactics, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Half of you have got energy weapons, right? You should be sitting there. One half of you should be protecting the ones with the energy weapons while they mow down the rest of the other. Yeah, that's the one thing that frustrates me, especially in films and stuff, where they just sort of charge at each other. And I'm like, but you're a formation. You're not getting any benefits now. You've all intermingled. And it's just like well, all the guys with the sort of the range weapons have literally shot one volley and then let everybody else charge in. And it's just like... It's like, it's like yeah, we all returned to the 17th century. That's what we're basically doing. We yeah. back to the 17th century, except we've forgotten to bring the bloody pikeman with yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh, man. You know, uh, but I mean, I said that if I was, I mean, if I was doing it, my mindset would be to bring in someone to do small unit tactics, someone who knew what they were doing and get them to train my stormtroopers to kind of move like at least a little bit. Well, it's like, like there was something like it's like i said it last week it's just like i like my bad guys to be formidable in some way shape or form if they're suddenly if they're literally getting picked off by teddy bears with sticks and and stones it's just like they're not formidable they're not a legion they're, they're not really sort of scary and it sort of kind of downgrades the hero's sort of plight because it's they're not actually that sort of scary to deal with because you know you can wipe out you know an entire platoon with a stick and it's just like it's annoying or a rock you're yes, a rock. yes, it's like I mean, hitting, hitting them in the face. There's no padding in those things, obviously, because they're getting concussions by hitting them in the face with, with sticks and stuff. And it's just, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, we could go on for some time. <laughs> we will. Budget cut to the Empire recently. Yeah, well, that's just, it. Uh, I would, uh, but, yeah. Thing is, though, I, I think part of it is just as you, the nature of sort of trying to film something that's cinematic because it would not have been as cinematic and interesting if you get to the end of Avengers Endgame and they're just taking pot shots at each other <laughs> and the melee fighters are just well, yeah. blocking shots and it's like five hours of that until <laughs> someone finally breaks through the ranks. Well, no, I mean, Some flanking maneuvers. Bloody 
you know, what's his name had the right idea. He gets his his, his artillery involved, and then you know, they lost because Thanos went, "Oh, I've got artillery. Let me use it." And then he uses it, and they nearly lost because he used his artillery. And if <laughs> one woman nuclear weapon hadn't turned up, that would have been it for them, really. Well, I love that opening though. That's the best superhero entrance anyone has ever made, where they just like <laughs> you just see the ship explode, and she just flies out of the explosion. I just saw. Whoa. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm not a big Miss Marvel. I didn't know anything about Miss Marvel. Was it Miss Marvel? Captain Marvel. Marvel. Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Miss Marvel is the beginning one. Right. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know anything yeah. about Captain Marvel until the film came out. So I was like, Oh my god, that's what they're talking about. Right. Okay. I understand Miss Marvel. Captain Marvel. But Shazam, was, Shazam in DC used to be called Captain Marvel, didn't they? And then they had yeah, the yeah, yeah. changed his name to Shazam. Belonged to somebody else, and they bought the company. And then there was a copyright issue that DC kind of got invited to leave the room for, if I recall. I love those two and their rivalry. It just makes me laugh. One of them can make films, the other one can't. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the TV shows. Well, in a way, actually, the, one of the part of the reasons is, like I said, the TV shows are, are less gibbony. You see, this is why. Marvel have managed to at least get, if they have got a given problem, they've at least managed to kind of like put them in cages. Whereas I feel if we watch the DC films, it's very obvious that the Gibbons are running the show in the DC films. And so occasionally you get a good one, but mostly it's just kind of like, oh no, what if he suddenly grew horns? Yes, that would be brilliant. I think Marvel had the advantage. Sorry. Sorry, Christina. No, sorry. I was just saying that uh, since we were talking about DC, the, the whole thing with why did you say that name? When, when it's Martha, and I'm like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Well, we got the we got the new version, the um, the Zack Schneider remake of Justice League coming on to HBO Max at some point soon. I can't be mm-hmm. bothered. Yeah, it's gonna uh, be just as bad. I'm sorry. I I, I, I part of me just wants it to be better, slightly better, because I, I I'm one of these sort of diehards. I love Man of Steel. I super loved. I thought it was so good. I know people were sort of iffy about it, but I loved it. I thought it was really good. Um and. <laughs> I just wanted those films to be better, and I think, as I've said millions of times, I think Ben Affleck as a as Batman is amazing. I think he's an no, amazing. No, I Batman. thought Ben Affleck was really good. I'm really angry is the fact that Ben Affleck was wasted. Yeah, he was completely wasted. He was wasted, it, wasted, completely wasted as Batman. I mean, and the reason why I love Ben Affleck was that bit when you remember they did the adverts when they were when they did he was like pretending to be corporate corporate Bruce yeah, yeah. Wayne. That sold me on him as. Bruce Wayne, and yeah. I think he's the most successful Bruce Wayne. I really just believe with this slick kind of corporate thing, with a kind of like vicious underneath, underneath a bit. I just kind of really, really bought that with Ben Affleck, and I thought he was good. But I think he was unfortunate in his choice of directors. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? It's just a bit. Thing you is, know, he's coming. He's coming back. Apparently, he's going to do this. He's going to do a series. Uh, for HBO, so he's he's not gone completely as Batman. So, who knows um, how it goes? I'm just going to be interested to see the um, uh, the new uh, is it the Flash movie where they're, they're yeah, going to have into the Batman? Yeah, so you're going to have like um, uh, Keaton and um, you know I think even Ben Affleck. as if you're going to have different Batman, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. Jesus, they're gonna to have to roll out Loki pretty quickly to get ahead of that wave. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? I, I, that's usually where they're going because Spider-Man's doing the same thing. Isn't yeah, it? they're bringing Spider-Verse. back Garfield and Maguire. 
and Gwen Stone and um it's very Marina. sneaky yeah. when you think about it because like then you go like you didn't like the latest one well we'll give you the old one he'll be in it yeah. too now everyone will buy tickets yay <laughs> they're just trying to milk the sort of millennial gen y kind of nostalgia for those films even though it was only like what 15 20 yes. years ago bloody spider-man how how quickly can you have a reboot of us oh man product? yeah and i wasn't even a massive fan of the old spider-man films i i like i like the new ones the tom holland ones i actually enjoy yeah. but i was never a massive fan of the i didn't hate them but i wasn't really a massive fan of the old spider-man I, films i i actually like the fact with the tom holland spider-man they went fuck it we're not going to do a origin story yeah 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 he's <laughs> just going here's spider-man go spider-man in a different movie then we've done that we can move on yeah. moving on him and Spider- him and civil war was just it was just great just to see him it actually yeah. in normal again it's just you know i do sometimes think that the reason that marvel done quite well is that they got to um they got to realize that the sony gibbons showed them how badly they could screw it up if they didn't do it right <laughs> well yes <laughs> let's hope they just but my thing is, is like you had the Fantastic Four, and that's a series I've never liked the Fantastic Four. Never liked them in the comics. I mean, never mind the films. Yeah, yeah. I've never liked the Fantastic. And I've realised that the the, pro- the problem they keep going with the Fantastic Four films is, is Doctor Doom. Yeah. Right, and yeah. it's like Fantastic Four is like a James Bond movie, and James Bond movies live and die on their bad guys. Yeah. yeah. Right, and I think what they should do is they should concentrate on getting Doctor Doom right, and then the Fantastic Four will, as a movies will work. Mm. I think if they get Doctor Doom, it, right? Say it again, Chris? They're rebooting it again. Are they? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. If I'm lucky. Well, the, yeah. How many? There, uh, yeah, I didn't see the last Fantastic Four film. Officially, it's fifth time lucky. Yeah, officially it's fifth time lucky if they get it right this time. If you See, include the one they didn't release in the nineties because it was only made to keep the license. <laughs> I I like, I want to see Latveria. I want Doctor Doom, Latveria. I don't want one of these kind of Urzats Doctor Doom. I want a proper ruler of Latveria with an iron fist, Doctor Doom. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's what I want. Yeah. I want it. I yeah. must have it. <laughs> um soon. Yeah. So, uh, Ben, have you got have you got anything have you got anything coming up? Uh, any new projects or anything? <laughs> well, this is the trouble being a writer. Is is very very slow. <laughs> I, I have a I have an Abigail novella coming out in March called What Abigail Did That Summer because I'm just a whiz with titles. You can tell. <laughs> um, and then then uh, next year is the tenth anniversary. It is. So we will probably be doing fun things for the 10th anniversary, like trying to milk money out of people with special editions and stuff. <laughs> oh no, Point. I'm such a sucker for a special edition. <laughs> yeah. I know, um, my son is too, you see. This is how I know it's possible. I've never even heard of this sort of thing until my son started buying yeah. Funkos, and I thought, aha! It's all about special editions. Merch! Merch! Yeah. Um, there will be a new uh, there will be a new comic. Ooh. Um, out in the summer, I think it's I think it's something like June June launch for the a new comic that's called Monday Monday, um, and that will be a bit like detective stories in that it will be um, four sort of stories uh, with right. an overarching thing oh, uh, because because like I, I I I had a couple of things well I don't know I'm just lazy and can't be bothered to write a whole four episodes to be honest <laughs> um, no it's, it's I wanted to get behind kind of like the idea of like what everyone gets up to on a Monday. So that's basically what everyone's Monday. And it's not 
a sort of Rashomon episode because it's not really about people having different perceptions, but it's about what uh, it's about people what people do. Like it's about the fact that everyone has their own life. So you see Stephanop, you see a day from Stephanopoulos's point of view, which I know Stephanopoulos needs more love, especially in in where she lives. And um, and then there you see a Nightingale one, and you have a Peter one, and then you have a Foxglove and Abigail one. So that's that's basically. That's basically it. Got very ambitious. I don't know if it's going to be any good. <laughs> no, I, I love the idea because yeah, just like introducing new facets of each character, which you haven't. Yeah, seen well, the, the thing is, the, the the bloody Nightingale one got really fan servicey because it started. We went back in like to back to Casterbrook, back to his tats, you know, watching him as a young boy learning magic for the first time and things like that. I didn't know it was going to go there, and it just went there. And I just thought, okay, well, it's uh, okay. This is well, going to look very fan servicey. <laughs> what did you say there, Christina? Sorry, I said that I approve of that. The fan service about Thomas Nightingale. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I didn't, I didn't set out. To, it's funny how you do these things, and you think you look back and you go, "Wow, that is incredibly just a cash grab." You have just done it, <laughs> and you don't actually. This is why I think a lot of time people think people we do you know, everyone cynically plots these cash grabs, but it's just like you quite want to know this stuff i quite want to do you know it's fans when you do fan service quite frequently it's, it's author service as well so it's kind of like it's not just fan service it's not like we're going you want this and i don't want to do it it's like okay i would do something that i wouldn't normally do because it would be so self-indulgent but hey you guys want it fine <laughs> <laughs> fine i wanted to do it but they said no because it was too self-indulgent you know and, and then you get to a certain point and then people come uneditable and the work goes downhill and you go into inevitable decline <laughs> <laughs> it's entropy really. <laughs> uh, okay all right um i think we're gonna leave it there uh i can't believe how much rubbish i've spoken no no it's been it's been One and a half hours. pure, pure gold we've alienated nearly every country in the world and uh yes. it's been and, great and quite large regions of the i, I don't of the uk about the welsh did i no 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 i Yet. love the welsh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. London and Wales are okay. You, you said yeah. that about everyone. <laughs> well, well, it's you know, true. It's like I love everybody, but but I I I I mean I'm you know you you take the piss out of people you love. That's the the English way anyway. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's very true. true. It's very true. <laughs> if you didn't love them, you wouldn't bother talking about them. <laughs> uh, well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ben, for for joining us. It has been an absolute. Uh, I had a lovely time, despite yes. the fact that we're using Skype. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you very much. I got bragging rights. <laughs> well, thank you, and it's nice. And did this go out live, or is this going out later? It's live, and then uh, it will go online. It'll be on Spotify. Um, it'll be on iTunes. It'll be on God, all the. Pod- my, my big problem is I can never remember what I said from one of these things to the other. And people go, "You said this thing on this." And I I'll go, send you a link. I? Yeah, I'll, and we'll send you a link. So it'll be on there. It'll be on tomorrow, sort of afternoon, sort of early evening, probably. Uh, okay. It'll be online and stuff, so you can see it, uh, and you can go. Oh no! Did I really just? say that <laughs> yeah i shall be hiding under the bed and disney will never employ me ever. Yeah. <laughs> i've pretty much fucked my life with disney dc marvel well no pretty much everyone it's like, we were totally <laughs> going to employ you but then you said this and yeah then you back and go, oh no man oh. <laughs>
no, my life is over. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, it's, been super, it's been super interesting. Uh, no, 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 this is the most fun I've had on a podcast for ages. <laughs> You're oh, more than welcome you. to come back. We, on. We, you, we can just shoot the shits and you can offend more people, so it's okay. <laughs> it's just great. Yeah, let's do it again. Yeah. Um, I'm, so, I'm fairly certain I didn't do the Orkney Islands, so, you know. <laughs> we'll, make, we'll make a list, so we've had those, and we'll move on, we'll on, move on to that. And Norwegians, Norwegians <laughs> were unscathed. Belgium, Holland, Finnish. Yeah, there are so many countries. <laughs> <laughs> so little time, so little insults. Um, so even after the Argentinians. Oh, yes. uh, I'm uh, that's cruel. You shouldn't say anything about the Argentinians. It's just cruel. Cool shouldn't mock the afflicted. It's terrible. Thing no. To do. no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> all all complaints can be directed towards Ben. Yes, don't bother sending it to me. I have mastered the art of the mute tweet. Tweets, so <laughs> oh, say uh, so for for tonight. I've been Matt Geary. Uh, with me has been uh, Mark Canty. Good night, all. Peter Ray Allison. <laughs> Stay safe, everyone. Sean Wallace. Good night. Um, and Christina, I'm going to bastardize your name. Do, do you want to say your name so I don't kill it? <laughs> so I don't kill your second name? Bogdan. Right? Is that it? Closer. Closer. Okay. Closer. Christina Bogdan. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, this special guest and the offender of everybody in the world. Ben. Hello. <laughs> and if I haven't offended you tonight, I promise to get round to you at some point. <laughs> hey. Stick to the next podcast. Ben Aranovich, thank you very much, sir, and good night. You're welcome. Good night. Bye.